Today, we're joined by Mr. Ollie Carson. On today's episode, Ollie, who was my first ever business coach, by the way, runs us through the biggest mistakes he thinks coaches make with their social media. You've got to understand where are your positives, where what position can you take that's going to leverage the best for the business, not think the best for your fucking ego. Whereas too many business partnerships want to both be that ego in a sense, and, but it's understanding where you're at. And I know that's why we both work so well together. That's just part and part of who I am. The importance of developing the fundamental skills all coaches should have, cough, mechanics and stuff, <clears throat> and how marketing alone won't solve everything. I actually think that if I'm being completely honest, People who are currently in really good shape or who have been in really good shape often do better. That's controversial, I would say, but that's true because one of the biggest shortfalls some of the coaches have who come on board is, is social proof. We talk about the hardest people he finds to coach. You've probably heard this a million times before on a million different podcasts, but community is huge. It makes such a massive, massive difference, not only in in our business, but in online coaches' businesses as well. The, the response that they get from their clients is, is phenomenal. And I think people are lacking that sense of community in this day and age, you know. And the brutal truth about how being in shape will help your business, especially in those early years. Put yourself in a position where you go not only the extra mile, the extra hundred miles, and you go deep on things building that level of confidence in your own ability because you have the knowledge and the experience to back up what you know to be true enables you to be your more authentic self on social media in the way that you market yourself because you have this level of conviction without further ado let's hear from the man himself welcome back to the pt project podcast we are happy delighted very excited to bring on mr ollie carson ollie thanks very much for coming on buddy we're going to kick things off straight out the gate with hopefully something you know a little a little aggressive for people to listen to which is who are the hardest to coaches and why why are they shit why are they a pain in the ass why are they hard to coach from a business perspective what makes them up um that's a really really interesting question i think the hardest people to coach from a business perspective um are those who and and this is probably a broad way of of um I guess, encapsulating a group of people, but people who are very tied up in the opinions of others. So something that you do incredibly well specifically is you are unapologetically yourself on social media. You know, you, you're not afraid to tap into the things that you've done in the acting world previously. You've sung on social media. You play your guitar. Like you are literally <laughs> the complete opposite to your typical fit pro right sure um and that serves you very very well i imagine because you know people who are interested in who you are as an individual because you're very different to what what the typical personal trainer online coach is um but a lot of online coaches are tied up in the opinions of others and, and worrying what people might think of them and this is obviously something that that goes beyond just being an online coach it's it's just how people are um, but they are difficult to coach and mentor because um, we want people to be individuals. We want people to be unique and different. And when you're tied up in the opinions of others, it becomes difficult to do that. So that's that's probably a broad way of putting it. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And I, I, I probably if you're listening to this, that's probably unsurprising, right? Because if you're trying to run a business um, or even help anyone else, like your attention needs to be on other people that you're helping. 
And if you're so caught up in worrying what everyone else, and you're not really worried about what everyone else thinks, you're worried about what some people might think. But, you know, I guess we're back at the old cliche of like the only way to not be criticized is to say nothing and do nothing and be nothing effectively. And so if you're trying to avoid, like, dude, how many people have commented negative shit about you over the years in in things or have sent shitty kind of DMs or you've heard someone maybe gossip about you or some shit? I'm going to guess it's a few. It's, it's It's a fair few. And actually, I was thinking this before we jumped on. Um, and sorry, I'm not speaking to you, Jim, but I'm speaking straight to Paul again. <laughs> but, you know, if, <laughs> if you think, Paul, about, you know, you've got this one particular troll. I know you've got this one guy who likes to, <laughs> anything you do with, with, with exercise mechanics, it's Michael Gordon, it's Integra and all this stuff. And he sends you paragraphs. <laughs> like, if you let this dude get to you, you literally wouldn't be where you are now with PT Project. Mm. And um and it's so much easier said than done. I do appreciate that. But you, you do have to have a thick skin in this game. If you're going to be putting yourself out there, you have to be open and receptive to people taking digs at you. you know? Is that something that you found um, natural to you? Something you kind of worked on? Something that occasionally, like, I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't still bug a little bit. Like, I don't know if you ever get to complete zero, but at least personally, I've gotten much better at just brushing off and being like, fuck it, they're irrelevant. They don't pay me any money. They're not relevant to anything that I'm doing. And Okay, so be it. But is that something that was easy, easier for you or something you kind of worked on? I think it's nurtured, definitely. I mean, I, I spent 10 years in the British Army and that is that is the <laughs> environment to have the piss taken out of you. If you want the piss taken out of you, join the army. You know, so like a couple of snide comments on social media is just like, dude, seriously, you're going to have to do so yeah, much yeah. better than that. You know, so, so Ali's um, advice here is if you're something you're struggling with, join the army for 10 years and then, yeah. then you'll be fine with social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One but what about you, Jimbo? I mean, so this would be interesting. Yeah. So, but like you, so you're slightly more conservative with your approach on socials, let's say, that's, I guess that's a, a diplomatic way of saying this. You're straight down the middle. You're very professional and that's great. And not to say that you're not professional, Paul, you absolutely are. <laughs> It's a but different you know type of professional. Sure. It's a different type of professional. I'm not going to take that badly, mate. <laughs> does that come from? Does that come from a place of worrying about uh, backlash and things like that, or is it just your your nature to be that way? What, what would you say if we're going deep on this? It's, it's just more on my nature in terms of the type of person I am. I'm just very sort of chilled out and relaxed, and I yeah. do things in a sense by the book, and that's how I was growing up. And partly that's why me and Paul work so well yeah. together because. I'm not trying to be the laughy one, the face, the front, when we're, especially when we're presenting together. And you've yeah. seen that firsthand. Whereas too many business yeah. partners both want to be that front man. You've got to understand where are your positives, mm-hmm. where, what position can you take that's going to leverage the best for the business, not think the best for your fucking ego. Yep. Whereas too many business partnerships want to yep. both be that ego in a sense, and don't mean that in a bad way at all, Paul, <laughs> on your side, but it's understanding where you're at. And I know that's why we both work so well together. I'm inflated here. Because <laughs> Paul's going to come with the abuse and the swearing, and I'm going to sit back and chill and observe the room and see what's going on. And that works so well together. But yeah, getting back to your original point, that's just part and part of who I am. The whether you see me in face-to-face or on social media, it comes in the same way. So I'm not doing that in a way not to get 
so. sort of opinion thrown at me. Would it yeah. bother you, like, if if someone was, let's see, let's say Jimbo, which by the way, please, someone become Jimbo's troll. Uh, but if if you were to get a troll, is that something that you think would 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 bother you, or is that like, because uh, my impression for for you, Jimbo, would be that's something you'd just be like, yeah, all right, and it wouldn't bother uh, nowadays, you too much. Is that the right impression, or yeah, am I, I wrong? No, no, like nowadays, I know I'd sort of brush it off and it wouldn't really phase me at all. Um, but I know in the past, there would have been certain self-doubt, certain limitations, certain limiting beliefs and stuff that would be like, oh, they, they're getting at this and things that I feel I haven't done maybe so well at in the past. Um, but now I'm like, I'm not really phased at all. Um, I know what I'm quote unquote good at, what I'm not so good at, what my areas of specialism and sense are at. And if someone tries to have a go at that, I'm not phased at it's kind of an interesting one, I suppose. And Ollie, I'm curious as to what you kind of think on this. Like how much of getting better at brushing that off comes with you getting better at what you do and therefore having a confidence that is more concrete and less subject to, oh, fuck, what if they think that? Because oftentimes we're insecure about things we secretly worry are true. Yep. And so how, how much of like actually getting better has, has made that easier for you? Do you see that with coaches? Have you got any thoughts on that? 100%. Um... So this is why guys like yourselves are doing incredibly well with the PT project. And then you think like Michael Gordon and the Integra and all that kind of stuff is because, you know, where, where information is so readily available. And I kind of hate that phrase, but it's true. Like, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry is giving you the basic information about how to lose weight, how to build muscle online, so on and so forth. Um, to put yourself in a position where you go not only the extra mile, the extra hundred miles and you go deep on things building that level of confidence in your own ability because you have the knowledge and the experience to back up what you know to be true enables you to be your more authentic self on social media in the way that you market yourself because you have this level of conviction mm. that and i see it with the guys who are in your group the guys in my group who are also in your group oh really oh that's interesting yeah, yeah or working with simon dutton or working with integra or whoever it is right the guys who are developing themselves have um, an air of confidence in their marketing and the way they present themselves. And I think you're right. It comes back to that thing of like knowing that what they're saying is irrefutable almost. And so they can present themselves in this more authentic and, and honest way. So I think it absolutely does help. Yeah. <laughs> so, and just in terms of how people come across, what advice could you give to someone who doesn't obviously want to be concerned about the opinions of others, but doesn't want to come across arrogant? Because that could so easily happen that if you are someone with a little bit of self-doubt, a bit of awareness, that you try and almost change how you come across and then you start coming across with a level of arrogancy. Is there anything advice from a sort of almost how people present stuff in social media that then doesn't transition too far the other way? Yeah, I think the first and foremost thing is just self-awareness. Like you need to be able to check yourself. If you look back on a, a video you create, you create an Instagram reel talking about a particular topic, you know, are you sitting on a, a, a high horse of knowledge? You know, you can see these people who like, I know all the information and you don't, and you're an idiot. You know, <laughs> that's not maybe not necessarily the best way to approach things. So I think a level of self-awareness is really, really key. But then also like, I think if you are continually just analyzing everything you do, you will ultimately end up, you know, diluting and filtering down your, your natural persona, you know, and this is where co coaches get really stuck with making content mm. is they're perfecting it. And they're, you know, 
oh, I said that wrong and I need to go back. And this is why your talk on one of the quarterly events previously, Paul, was incredible about producing content. And you said, you know, when you're filming the video, do several iterations of that line in one go. And then in the post-production edit, just choose the one that seems the best. Because what coaches will do is they'll make this video to, to put on social media and then they'll watch it back and they'll go, ah, oh, I don't like the way I said that. And they start again and then it takes them an extra half an hour and they end up not putting the stuff out, you know, and they end up being the, like the best kept secret because they've got all this information and knowledge that they want to share, but they never put content out. So yeah. there are some really practical things that you can do to um, be self-aware and to make sure that you're not coming across as an absolute douchebag. You know? I, mean, I could think you can, I can probably add a, a couple of things on that. One is if you're the person who's really concerned that you don't want to be arrogant, odds are you won't be. Because the yeah. people who are that that is an issue for are not concerned that they're going to come across as arrogant. So it's yeah. almost like being, if you're naturally introverted, worrying that you're going to be too extroverted. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm saying it's unlikely that you'll end up going that far because you're starting from such a different disposition. Um, and then, yeah, kind of as Ollie said, like, you know, being able to have a play. The other big thing is, let's face facts, unless you're producing content for YouTube, which is not most fitness people who will be doing this, they're going to be Instagram, TikTok type things, yeah. right? That content is gone like so fast. Like, and if you're not sure about that, just ask yourself how many times you've been back and watched any of my stuff again or Ollie's again. No, you watch it in that one time. You may very occasionally watch it back once more. And that's it. You'll have forgotten so many things that have come out of my mouth, Jimbo's mouth, and Ollie's mouth over the time that if you're really worrying about this being perfect, it's the wrong medium for perfect because it doesn't have the shelf life that you need for perfect. If you're making yeah. something longer form for youtube that type of thing okay maybe take a bit longer with these things but for this stuff there's there's some freedom in the fact people will fucking forget it in yeah. about in about 20 minutes um yeah. all right so moving on from the, the the shittier people to coach what do you think then makes the the easiest people to coach the best people to coach the people you enjoy working with the most it's honestly this is going to sound like i'm just blowing smoke up pts and online coaches asses but but generally speaking they're all incredible to work with because typically PTs and online coaches are very Come on, intrinsically stop, driven stop being, and motivated people. Stop being so vanilla. Give us, uh, <laughs> we, we all know. Let's, let's okay, go back. My clients are <laughs> when, when you take on a client and you look at them mm. and you say, oh, okay, they've got good muscle bellies. You know they're a sprinter going through high school. They've played semi-professional football, but now they're 28. They let things slip. You're like, okay, I've got a 12-weeker who's going to look incredible. Like, yeah, we've, we've yeah. all had that in our coaching days, in a sense, where someone just sends you a picture, you get their background info, and you know. Give us something, Ollie. Don't just... <laughs> okay. Jimbo's just trying to make you, uh, you know, turn people away from your service by insulting them uh, ahead of time. So, that is, well done there, Jimbo. You've, you've made, made business way worse for Ollie, but, you know, he's put you on the spot now, mate, so you're going to have to yeah, answer it. Trying to be incredibly diplomatic there. Jimbo just called me out on my bullshit. So that, thank you for that, dude. Um, no, there, no there, there are absolutely, like you say, kind of making the reference with a physique client. You do see the ones come through and you're like, okay, this is going to be a piece of piss. Um, and actually, I will say some controversial things um, and maybe won't, you know, not everyone will, in, will in, agree with this. But I actually think that um, if I'm being completely honest, um, Paul actually made a post about this recently, People who are currently in really good shape or who have been in really good shape often do better. Mm. That's 
controversial, I would say, but that's true. Um, because one of the biggest uh, shortfalls some of the coaches have who come on board is is social proof, their ability to show their audience that you know they can do the job to a really high standard um, and get results for clients because social proof is a really powerful way of, of attracting people in, of course, right? And if you're lacking social proof with clients, then at least have social proof of yourself, you know, that you show that you, you walk the walk, you can do the job. Um, and I think that does help people, especially if you're coaching people through fat loss and muscle gain and that kind of thing. So there's maybe a controversial statement, but yeah, coaches who come through who are in good nick, I'm usually like, it'd be quite easy, you know, if he's got some photo shoot shots, I can, I can at least market those things. Um, but other than that, like, honestly, there's nothing really that stands out to me as to like, okay, this is going to be easy with this person. Following is a big one. Mm. You know, people who have a larger social media following, it's a law of numbers. You yeah, know, sure. you, people, you'll hear business coaches and mentors make those ridiculous marketing claims that you don't even need a big following. It's like, well, it does kind of help, you know? <laughs> so You might not need um, it, but it doesn't mean it's not useful. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that kind of stuff will, will often be like my little, my spidey senses will get going. I'll be like, okay, this is going to be quite straightforward. Uh, but other than that, not really anything. So Ollie is basically like the, the facade he now has. If you haven't seen Ollie for a while, long hair, bit of a beard, very much a Jesus figure in the fitness industry. And he is advocating love for all. So Ollie has recently <laughs> become fitness Christian. Uh, I didn't see this going in that direction, but that's, that's where it's gone. So he loves everyone. Um, in spite of be in shape and have a massive following. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Somehow you managed to come across as very lovely during all of that while actually being like, now you need to be jacked in great shape and have a hundred thousand followers or this isn't going to work. That's a skill, by the way, that's a skill because you won't slip that in without, without anyone really, really noticing. Um, okay. So in that case, if we continue with the, the coaching kind of ideas and, and stuff, and maybe we already touched on this a little bit with what shit do you think that coaches worry about that they think matters that you think actually doesn't matter anywhere near as much as the shit that they think it matters? I phrased um, that really poorly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Um, I think coaches put unnecessary emphasis on... Um, like, so, so people get tied up in when should I be posting or, you know, sh should I put this post out then or does it make sense for me to do this one first and then this one? So they get, they get caught up in the minutiae is the way that I look at it. Mm. And, and it's the same with like a fat loss client, right? They haven't got their big rocks in place first. They're not creating content regularly, not consistent, they're not showing up on a consistent basis on, on socials and stories and that kind of thing. So they kind of like, almost look at things that they should maybe worry about in the future once they've got all of these basic things in check. So that's something that I see quite, quite a lot. Um, but, but really, to be honest with you, the standard from a marketing perspective is, is really quite high at the minute. You know, a, a mm. lot of coaches are, I, I will put a caveat into that. A lot of coaches are doing a really good job of presenting their services in a really professional way at the minute. And the standard, when coaches come to us, at least, they're in a pretty good good place. The, the one thing that I do see happening a lot is just a lot of emulation and copying one another. You know, it's like everyone's trying to be this stereotypical online coach in the way that they present themselves online. You know, but other than that, the standard's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's. I always find it quite funny watching whenever a new trend comes out amongst coaches that they're going to start copying. Like, obviously, the one one of the big ones at the moment is 
people giving a lesson about something whilst doing something almost completely unrelated in the gym. So, you know, they'll be setting things up in a squat rack or on the cross train, and then they'll be like in a million different places whilst <laughs> talking to the camera, which I quite enjoy. Like there's stuff going on. It clearly works, but it tickles me that I've, so many people are doing the exact same thing with that yeah. now. And as with a lot of this stuff, at some point, it will get a bit samey and someone who starts doing something a little bit different will do well as a result of finding a slightly different way to do it. Like I've yeah. even thought of taking a taking the piss out of doing that and just cutting between shots of me taking a shit and then doing completely, <laughs> completely unrelated things whilst whilst <laughs> whilst making fun of this thing. Cause I was like, it's effectively what's happening. Um <laughs> but okay. So um what so one of the big things I think that I see from you and supercharge more than um most other mentoring ones that, that I think are out there is community mm. and the amount of people that you surround yourself with that are part of your team is mm. maybe bigger than most. I think like how important do you think community is a for your business and maybe for businesses overall? Oh, dude, it's massive. It's so, so big, man. Like right now with, it's, again, it sounds like such a cliche and you've no doubt heard a million podcasts. It's almost embarrassing being on a podcast nowadays, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Oh, we're just I think I was the, the you were the first podcast, by the way, that I think I was ever invited on. Oh, oh really? I think so. I think Ollie's was. Oh, the, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure Ollie was the first one I was on. I remember. I remember that conversation actually. Um, but you know, every every man and his dog has a podcast now, and that's cool. And I'm not discrediting you guys, by the way. That's Glad a bit we didn't of a... invite you. I'm glad. Yeah, so <laughs> well, we won't be putting this episode um, out. But... <laughs> <laughs> but no. But back to your point about like the. Um, uh, what was the point now? Because <laughs> I, I, I just lost my How train of thought. was community? <laughs> yeah, community. Um, a massive cliche. You've probably heard this a million times before on a million different podcasts, but community is huge. It makes such a massive, massive difference, not only in, in our business, but in in online coaches' businesses as well. Um, you know, the guys in our group who regularly run in-person events, whether that's like going through a bit of a workshop or even if it's just meeting for some food and, and having a bit of a social, you know, the, the response that they get from their clients is, is phenomenal. And I think people are lacking that sense of community in this day and age. You know, I mean, if you think about how many clubs, like anyone listening to this now, how many clubs or memberships or groups you are a part of that you regularly attend in-person events and, and, and meet with people of similar interest to you or have similar interest to you the number's low you know it just yeah. doesn't happen and it's, it's very it's a very tribal thing you know you, you go to these events and you get all these people in one room the energy lifts up and that sounds very airy fairy which probably suits my long hair right now and my beard <laughs> but the energy does lift you know like if you're in a room with people and they're all kind of on the same mission as each other and they have similar interests and values it's just electric you know mm. like you could be sit, sitting there discussing things like exercise mechanics and it's still electric you're like this is epic you know so i would implore anyone listening to this who doesn't already have a community with their coaching clients to start building one start with a whatsapp group uh put on a little event go for a walk up a mountain go go up snowden go for a brew afterwards you know it's it's such a simple thing to organize but it has a profound impact on client fulfillment and, and people feeling happy so yeah do it there was a thing back in the day, and this is going back 2014, 15. I remember Lift the Bar years and years ago. And I've not heard this guy for years, so I've no idea what's happened to him. Steve, it was Steve, not Steve-O, because that's the jackass guy. His name was Steve something. But he had a company called Habitry, 
and he was i remember buying this ebook and it was about intentional communities and it was a thing he'd taken from um working with dan john he was like one of the great things that dan john is excellent at is he's just got a community of people all the time he just invites people to his house and they kind of hang out for a week uh, and do stuff together and it just feels like great to be a part of this it's so much easier to achieve your goals and, and what have you and he was kind of almost ahead of his time in putting the thing together for that because that was years and years and years ago and i've no idea what happened to him now so it clearly didn't go that well for him or maybe it did and he made yacht money and pissed off yeah. um but <laughs> but i think we're, we're seeing much more of that coming to fruition now and i think one of the big things that strikes me it, for, certainly for us but it, certainly from looking at you from the outside is that community is useful in win 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 scenario it's not like oh you're doing it just because yeah, it makes me more money as a result of doing that yeah hopefully it does that too but like it's just as, as ollie said it's fun to be around it's exciting you feel better having been in that thing online coaching can be a lonely ass game mm-hmm. right where you sit in front of your desk or in a coffee shop for hours and hours and hours a day only ever listening to other people and having to listen to them and that can be a little bit draining sometimes because you're always giving your energy to other things and you need some stuff that recharges you. And one of the great things about communities is you get some energy back from it for free. Yes. Honestly, side side benefits of communities as well that are worth mentioning uh, as you grow and as you work with more people and you, you have built a community and I mean an engaged community, it's not like just like a Facebook group and there's like tumbleweeds going on, like an engaged community, you regularly communicate you regularly speak to them in a group environment, you do meet up events, that kind of thing, is number one, they start answering each other's questions. Mm. Like you'll find that you have those people in your group who are a little bit further down the line, they've got some experience, they've got some knowledge, they're just good at answering questions, it saves you time. Not to say that you can just like hand off all of your client fulfillment <laughs> to like random members in your group, but it, but you will start to see this, this pickup in people supporting each other and helping each other. Another benefit is that you know, if you do it for long enough and you build it enough, you will create a sense of FOMO, you know, like people on the outside looking and going, that looks cool. I want to do that. You know, mm. and so it has this, this marketing um, benefit as well. So yeah, just, just get it started. I think the worry for coaches typically with getting a community started and starting a group chat or doing an in-person event is crickets, you know, like no one mm. turning up for the first thing. <laughs> You, you run a group call, there's one person on there and it's a little bit awkward. Um, but you have to get started with it, you know, and it will just get better with time. Yeah, you're also the first person to say FOMO on this podcast. So congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing all the firsts. So <laughs> well, one question we've been asking a few people that because I quite enjoy the answers and they really vary. And you can answer this in whichever format you want. Biggest fuck ups you've made over the years this this can be business it can be personal it can be a combo of both uh it could be funny it can be serious whatever whatever comes to mind within the biggest fuck-ups oh gosh there's so many Uh, (laughs) biggest fuck-ups wow uh let's do let's do a couple um when i was 16 I used to sneak out at like 2 a.m. and take my mum's Peugeot 206 car keys and like just go for a little drive. <laughs> and one morning at like 2 a.m., I got, got like a, a bit pedal tri- pedal happy, shall we say, and massive understeer on this little front wheel drive Peugeot 206 and ended up driving into a parked van. Oh, shit. Uh, so that was a massive fuck up. That, yeah, was, like yeah, yeah. First, that was like my first real big fuck up, you know. 
Um, Business-wise, there hasn't been anything like massive. Um, I've definitely like brought people in that I trusted and then they let me down and, and stuff like that. But I think that's quite normal. Um, there's there's been a few fuck ups, but I don't know if I can talk about them on here. To be honest with you, they're kind of illegal. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the best fuck up you've heard on the podcast so far? Well, I mean, to be fair, Jimbo's told us an illegal fuck up of when he uh, oh. was trying to bring several thousand pounds worth of steroids back from Turkey and got stopped at, <laughs> at customs and had it all taken off him. So you know, uh-huh. depends how illegal you're talking because we've had a few. <laughs> okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty fucking illegal to be fair. <laughs> Although, Jimbo, you didn't manage to go well, to prison for it. You're still here, actually, so. It's not actually illegal because I was buying it in a place where I can buy it. I was bringing it back for personal use. And they just took it off me at the airport. <laughs> if it was illegal, I would have been a night in jail. Or or. <laughs> so. is, that, is that the rule? Because, like, so I could go to Amsterdam, buy a shitload of drugs, bring them back, and be like, but no. I didn't buy them here. Would that still count? Or is it slightly different for steroids? I haven't actually looked in the legislation enough, but I all think I it's different. Know is... <laughs> I, I think it's different because it's not like a class C or a class B or a class A drug, is it? So I think you probably get away with it with with gear. See, but Ollie's with... showing his insights now. This is a man. Yeah. You've yet to go on the face though, mate. So you're okay at the second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So if you were starting from scratch again and you had to be an online coach you're not allowed to be a business mentor yeah well you didn't know anyone didn't write complete scratch you've just come out of the army but for some reason you've moved to australia right and you had to start again what would the steps be that you would follow to to actually get somewhere the exact step-by-step sequence would be uh obviously number one set up minimum viable products like minimum systems which you can do for completely for free um, so Google Sheets, you can create because you know delivery with training, nutrition on there. Um, you can have a free Calendly account, so people can book in calls with you if you need that system. Um, and you can also have uh, WhatsApp for free, so you can communicate with clients there. Done. Minimum viable viable product done. You can even use things like Loom for check ins for free if you keep them short and concise, right? So that would be that. That'd be the first. How thing short is the free Loom? I didn't know Loom did a free thing. <laughs> I think they do, yeah. They're up to like you can do up to like a five minute recording or something for free. Get so, real concise with check-ins. You're like, real concise <laughs> to the point. It's going to be like a hybrid check-in where it's like a little bit of video and a little bit written. That's yeah. fine. Um, so that would be the minimum viable product. Right? Just to go on that point, if someone's early in the game, would you advise them to go on Loom and do recording that way, or would you advise no? Actually, let's jump on a call. Because if we're looking for stuff that's completely free and you're not enjoying my time, you've got WhatsApp, you've got calls. In early in the day in the game, yeah. would yeah. you leverage calls more, or would you like no? Actually, let's think ahead of where we're going to scale to. Don't bottleneck your business straight away by offering calls that at some point in time you might pull back on. I would say offer the choice, just because. I think we as the coach think that by offering the call is somehow like a premium service, which I guess it kind of is because, you know, you're there, you can be immersive in the conversation, but for a lot of your clients, they just want the information. Like, what am I doing here for the, for the next week, for example, and being able to consume that information in a time that suits them is, is actually sometimes more valuable to them. You know, some, 
maybe they don't want to jump on a 10, 15 minute call with you at a certain time in the day. So I think giving them the choice is probably the best option there. Um, so that would be systems. So it'd be set up, ready to go. And obviously we could improve that over time. It's going to be pretty dog shit to begin with, but we've got no money. <laughs> We're living in Australia. And sure, sure. We're just with it, right? Um, and you just have to play the game. So like if we're looking at right now at the time of recording this podcast, the game to play is producing short form video content daily on social media and posting that across as many platforms as you can. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube shorts, whatever. Um, I would probably have lots of time on my hands. So I'd be doing one or two videos a day just showcasing my knowledge and showcasing what it is that I can do for people. I'd be super, super visible on stories. I'd be building my personal brand and I would actually be doing some outreach as well, which often gives people the creeps, but I would be following accounts. I would be um, building conversations with people who've shown interest in my content. So like commenting on their posts, interacting with their stories. Um, and it wouldn't take long before people start dropping you messages and asking about your services. I don't think it would take long at all. Sliding in the DMs. This is basically what Ollie's saying, but in a nicer way. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I was actually say that you can sometimes see um, coaches who I know who've started mentoring with, with yourself or a few other people when they, you, you can almost tell because they start engaging with content a lot more. They'll start actually being in comments and things. And you, it's actually quite nice as even as the person on the other end, even if you recognize, oh, okay, maybe they're doing this for a purpose to some degree. The reality is, there's, I, hopefully, they're saying things they mean, which is usually shit they've thought in their head but never bothered to write. So yeah. it's more like they're being, you know, deceitful or yeah. like hugely manipulative. They're just making the extra effort to say the crap that they internally thought and normally would just scroll on by afterwards. Yes. Just taking that extra bit of time to build that relationship there. And yeah. that's a positive thing. You, you know, God only knows where those things build over time. Like yeah. we've got Ollie on the podcast now. I can't remember how I first. How did we first meet? Was it through the muscle mental stuff? No, it was maybe, before that. It would have been before that. Maybe just before the muscle mental. No, it was before the muscle yeah, mental. Yeah. Because, yeah, because you joined. I came the on board diet. with you. Yeah, and then exactly. I joined the muscle mentals like a month after, which was well timed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. these things come about from, I'm sure we, we started interacting on something, had a bunch of chats, and, and then I was on Ollie's podcast. And yeah. then, then, I start, then I employed Ollie. Uh, then I joined the Messel Mentors. Then he employed me for a bit, right? Yeah. And then I've given talks for him. Like these things become reciprocal relationships that are like yeah. enjoyable parts of being in a career, like yeah. and not just being this fucking island living by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, at least, that's that's been a super important part of that stuff. So yeah. if you're in Australia, you've got your your viable systems in place. Yeah. You're doing your outreach. You're making content. Who are you aimed at? Like if Ollie had to pick an audience as mm -hmm. as an online coach, who would who and what would you pick these days? So maybe again, controversial because I mean, I don't know what your, I would imagine your audience is very much outcome focused in terms of the coaching that they do as well. So maybe not so controversial for your audience, but I would just be looking to get people shredded in a short space of time, sure. you know, like transformation <laughs> stuff, you know, eating disorders galore, man. You just have to. But the reality is, is that like, if you, if you need to sell something, the, the, the harsh truth is, is that people just want to be in great shape. They want to feel confident. They want to be lean. They want to be muscular. And so, you know, you can come at it with your empathetic approach and, you know, be kind to yourself and 
that kind of thing. That's cool, man. There's absolutely a place for that. But if we're looking at selling something that people want and getting it moving quickly, it would be that stuff, transformations. You know, I still find it weird that that is controversial, that we have to caveat that to some degree, because how is that really surprising? Are we really that deluded that we think people don't want to have a six-pack sometimes or that they don't think looking a certain way is advantageous? Like, no one puts fucking calendars of Barry from EastEnders or Phil Mitchell on their wall, right? It's Channing Tatum and Chris Hemsworth and flip it for females too. And I don't see, yes, okay, trends might change a bit, but they don't change that much. It'd be a bit like going like being apologetic for wanting to make money. And actually, to be fair, I think we see some of that as well uh, sometimes. It's like, when did these things become not self-evident shit that people wanted and stuff we had to be like, oh, you know, got to be cautious about selling this stuff. You know, I, and, I, and it's virtue signaling as well. That's the worst thing about it is, is mm. that like, you know, the, the people that complain about it are usually the ones that are just crap at getting results with clients, <laughs> you know? And so they're like sitting on this moral high horse of, you'll never see my clients shredded. I'm sure your clients probably want to be shredded. Have you yes. actually asked them, you know? But That's my favorite impression anyone's done on this it, podcast. As it's well. either that <laughs> you'll never see me either they're crap. I say it's either they're crap at maybe getting the result, or they've been that person who's done the six week, eight week, twelve week, yeah. sixteen week transformation. Maybe fuck people up in the process, fuck themselves up in the process, or something like that. Hadn't had the knowledge or yeah. the experience to know to do what yeah. after that, and then they move yeah. into this different approach. Like, oh, yeah, now you can't offer that. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> so it's almost yeah. a one, and one and like, Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I do need to tread carefully because, oh, sorry, Jim, I cut you up there, dude. I do need to tread carefully because like I, I work with tons of coaches who take a more holistic approach with, with their coaching and, you know, they're not very outcome-based with the results that they deliver their clients. And I, I, like I, like I said, that there is absolutely value in that, but that doesn't mean that there isn't value also in being the guy who in an evidence-based way gets people in insane results with their body composition and and doesn't fuck them up at the end of it. So I think I think we see this, right? And Jimbo is absolutely right with that bit of going, we see lots of people who got in shape, who aimed at the thing they now criticize, right? And then had a negative outcome the other side of it. And that is a reasonable subset of people, right? And we as an industry need to, I think, generally do better at helping people understand the psychological consequences of going through those processes for some people. You have to say for some people, because not everyone suffers with these things, just because some people do, right? And those people then, understandably, because they went through some pain, want to warn people of the rocks they dashed themselves against when they were sailing their ship through those waters. But they wouldn't have got to the point they're in where they've learned those lessons had they also not sailed their ship through those waters. People really only learn from experience more than just being warned about shit right (laughs) to a large degree so what makes you think that pointing this things out is going to really be persuasive to those people who still want to be in shape in the first place maybe they have to go through that path to get to the point that you're at now and so that's fine and then i would also say that the people who um are worried about this stuff and need the more holistic kind of thing and need some more psychological support and want to aim at that audience that's fine that audience exists but it is a way smaller audience of the population than the people who want to get in shape. So yeah. just know that going in. There's nothing wrong with aiming at it. But mm-hmm. if you were aiming at what's more um, appealing to the vast majority of people, yep. it's the obvious shit, like getting shredded. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, if we're looking at maximizing the amount, of, 
and and again, you made a point earlier of like people are almost embarrassed about wanting to make more money, which is just mm. ridiculous. I don't know why that's a thing, <laughs> but um, because I think that because we're brought up with these um, these mantras that your parents pass down to you, it's like um, uh, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, you know, is it? I think maybe money in the hands of an evil person could be a pretty bad thing, but if you're if you're innately a giving and caring person, then you probably do good stuff with money. You know, um, I can't remember who I heard once say it might have been it might have been Elon Musk on a podcast years ago talking about he described money as being like I think he called it information, which was interesting. I was like, what do you mean by that? Uh, and he kind of described it as being like, right, it 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 gives you options, but in and of itself, it doesn't do anything. It's just a bit of, like if you're stuck on a desert island, does it with no one else around and nothing else? Does it matter that you've got a billion? No, because you can't implement anything with it. It's just this useless bit of information that doesn't help the situation. And so money is only ever a tool. Now, it's a thing we get driven towards, but we're not driven towards money for the sake of money. We're driven towards money for the opportunity we think it affords us, the status we think it affords us, et cetera, et cetera. So to treat the thing that we use as a tool, as the driver of something, I think is wrong it's not it's the fundamental human psychology behind that that might be the root of all evil right which means human beings to some degree are the root of all evil but they're also the root of all kindness and good shit too so we're a complex being and so yeah money is the root of all evil can fucking do one yeah exactly 100 percent. okay so uh <laughs> ollie if you ha- if you've not followed ollie follow ollie and one of the things you'll quickly realize is ollie loves jujitsu uh, <laughs> so how important to you and the success of business in your day-to-day life and however you want to define that is doing shit that's kind of outside of fitness or outside of work? I mean, maybe jujitsu is to some degree part of fitness-ish, yeah. but I presume you do it not for the fitness benefits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually really consciously thought about that, to be honest with you, but it's, it's, you're probably right. I, I think I do like to have something going on at any given point that is you know, when I step away from speaking with clients or doing some marketing stuff or whatever it might be that I can kind of just disconnect from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there probably is some, some truth in that. I think there is some, some value in me having like jujitsu or whatever it might be to just break out of this echo chamber that we're in. You know, my, my Instagram feed is just coaches, you know, so every day I'm hearing bam, bam, and some like food and, and it's like, man, just give me a break from that jingle is killing me. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some value in having shit to do outside of your, your work. You know? Yeah. That's kind of interesting in that, that case, because what I think, I think people vary quite a bit in this, in the amount of, um, for want of a better description, work-life balance things, right? Balance varies. It's not like a set amount of stuff that is balanced for everyone. And so the amount I, as Paul, like to do outside of work stuff is different than Ollie. It's different than Jimbo. It's different than Cal Rystrick and all those kind of things. And some people are perfectly happy and content working like demon humans and almost having no switch off. And by the sounds of, to some degree, some of that, Ollie has... Doesn't need, doesn't feel like he needs as much switch off from stuff because you're like, oh, I take a couple of hours and that feels fine. I get to do some jujitsu or hang out with the, the kids and the family and stuff, and then straight back to it. It doesn't feel it. You, I never get the impression from you that work feels like a chore. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. And to that point as well, like I know for a fact that um, Jimbo, you you massively value your downtime with your son. Like Jaden, you're that's it. It's 
it's non-negotiable. It needs to get done. And then you look at someone like, I was on a flight back from Dubai and Callum Raystrick, it's a seven, and a seven hour flight. We were on the same flight. He didn't look up from his laptop once. I was like, dude, watch a movie, please. <laughs> you know, like, he was on there just replying to clients and doing programming the whole flight. That is not an exaggeration. And that's cool. Like you say, everyone is different and everyone needs varying levels of of off time or, or balance, as you put it. So yeah, just, that's just completely normal. Just on that side of stuff with family and kids, how do you find, or how do you manage the expectations from wife, family, loved ones, kids, spending time with them compared to spending time on your own with your hobby, your interest, um, whatever it is on that side of stuff. So anything that you're doing for yourself outside of your business is taken away from time when maybe you could be with with kids yeah. with family so how do you find that balance on that side yeah pick the right partner uh, <laughs> yeah, pick the person who just gets it you know like i've made that mistake in the past and you know every second that you spend away from you know not meeting their every need and requirement is a moment that you're just letting them down and being a disappointment and a failure but with, with Kat, you know, like she gets it. She knows what we're working towards. She knows that this is a short-term sacrifice for the long-term view. Um, and she's unbelievably supportive of that. And so just pick the right person and you'll be fine. You don't you don't then have to start coming up with these hacks to, to <laughs> you know, meet the expectations and shit. Just have a really good partner. Be be quite particular about who you decide to, to do life with and you'll be fine. There's no way Jimbo's not just slightly laughing at at, uh, at me here because I have failed repeatedly at these. <laughs> I can I can give advice on lots of facets of life. I'd like to think by this point, ne- you don't need to listen to me about relationships. Please never. Please oh, never. Well, so, I mean, just to chime in on that, I've had two failed marriages and I'm like barely 34. So I'm probably not the one to give advice on this either. But at I least you've got people to marry you. I mean, I've not even got that part. You've both managed to get kids. Oh, fuck, I'm, I'm just hanging out with me and my skeleton here. It's not really the same. <laughs> so I suppose to give you, that moves us on there. Yours, I, I am always jealous of you living the high life of an online coach and traveling the world and stuff. And I was like, I can't do that with family, kids, with dogs, with mortgages, with <laughs> stuff. So it's got its, it's got its sort of positives <laughs> and negatives. That's, and that's, then that's fun. And it might, it might be fun for the next like five years. I have a thing like it's okay to be a single guy if you're doing reasonably well through your twenties and thirties. Yep. It gets squirrely when you get towards your forties, unless you've got George Clooney money, right? Unless you've got a yacht, being singleish at like fifty, <laughs> it gets worse and worse. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting close to. I really need to make something work at this at this point. So if anyone has advice, please do let me know. Actually, I am seeing someone now, and she's great. So I shouldn't say. But again, don't listen to me on relationship stuff. Um, so Ollie kind of mentioned uh, long-term view, short-term view, and all that kind of stuff. I think that leads in quite nicely to what does success like look like for you when you think about it? What would success look like? Whether we call them that short-term, long-term, whatever. What does success look like for Ollie? Oh, man, I really don't. I really don't think about it that consciously, to be honest with you. I'm literally just taking each day and each week as it comes at the minute like I started this thing and it just it it picked up and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and now it's like yeah I have some ambitions and some ideas of some things I want to achieve with it but honestly like 
Um, I don't think I've really sat down and thought, what is the end goal here? Like, what do I want? What does success look like for me? I haven't really thought that deeply about it. I would say that that is its own definition, though, because I think sometimes when we hear the word success, we think end goal. And you can define, I think, success, and this is true of lots of stuff, in two different ways. One is outcome and one is process. And, you know, to, to me, what I'm hearing from that is Ollie going, success looks like kind of what I'm doing because <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's fulfilling. It, it ticks all the boxes. I don't feel like I'm missing out. It doesn't feel like a chore. I feel fulfilled in many facets of my life that mean something to me. Yeah. And I'd like to keep doing that. <laughs> right. And if that's, that is its own success. I think sometimes we hear the word success and we get so caught up on the outcome that we forget to think it's a life process too. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, that, I, yeah. I'm constantly reminding our guys and girls of that exact sentiment because Go on, sorry, James. Jim was on a slight lag, which is making for an enjoyable. I was just going to say your answer or a correlate to so much when we had Cal on, Cal Raystrick on as well. Because um, you're like, okay, what do you envision success to? Where do you see things going in the next five years, 10 years? And Cal was like, I can't envision that. I'm just grinding in the day, working. I love what I'm doing. And I couldn't imagine necessarily envision being here five, 10 years ago. So there's no way I can envision where 10 years is going to be, but there's so many times we're told from the mentor, we've got to have this five, 10 year master plan, master goal. Whereas actually, you know, it's like, as long as we're passionate about what we're doing, we love what we're doing at the moment, and we've got these things in place, then there potentially can be there, but we don't want to overthink where five years is going to be. Because then that can sometimes put us in a place where almost we're actually slightly anxiety about where we're at and maybe not doing things rather than just enjoying the moment and running with it. Ollie, how many people have you met that have like proper five, 10 year plans? Hardly any. I, feel, I was thinking that. I was sat there with Jim O'Storn. I was like, I don't think I know any. I'm sure there are some. There's got to be some, right? But I don't, I don't think I know any. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, like just before, um, Jimbo uh, came in there was like the fact that reminding coaches of that sentiment that you made of um, success, like a lot of coaches, online coaches now, like you, you, they might be making four or five grand a month, for example, when they're solely online and they manage to finish all of their online work by sort of one o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, dude, that is a nice life. Almost, that is a pretty <laughs> successful life you've got going on there. But because they're so driven by these these outcome-based things that they think they should be achieving. Oh, I need the 10K months, the 15K months, the 20K months. But have you actually taken the time to think what that perhaps looks like in the day-to-day -day living of your life? And so it's really important to take stock every so often and just go, hmm, actually, this is this is pretty fulfilling day-to-day. -day. Maybe I'm maybe I'm okay here. I think you get to you get to define success for yourself. That's one of the nice things about being an adult. And what's the point in running your own business if you don't get to define what success is to a large degree? Go work for someone else. They'll define it for you. Right. But you you're you're working for you. So you define it. And I mean, we had this conversation, I think, previously. And as to to your point, you know, Cal and Cal, even back in the day, so it's gonna be kind of more than this. So don't mean to massively out Cal, but Cal does well. So we're talking at least comfortably 50k plus months, right? We're in that kind of ballpark of shit. But he work as Ollie just described, he works. What's the point in a business class flight that you spend your entire time working through, Cal? Right? <laughs> to me, I'm like, nah, I don't, don't want to do that. Like, I'm happy earning a good chunk less than Cal if it gives me more of my life back. Like that extra cash isn't worth the cost to me. But it is for Cal. That doesn't feel like worth him. So 
I get to define what success looks like for me and my working kind of thing. And Cal does for him and Ollie does for him and, and Jimbo does for him. And you do for you as you listen to this thing. And so often we just take things that we see other people. It's a 10K month. It's a this. And I get that. We've all done it. Right? Yeah. But like the longer you do it, give some thought to like, what does your day to day? I'm reminded actually of a, there's a quote by a guy called Earl Nightingale who said that success was the journey towards a worthwhile goal. Success was the journey towards a worthwhile goal. It's not getting to the goal. And it, I think it's all of those words are beautiful because it's the journey and it's a worthwhile goal. Not just any goal it has to be meaningful to you. And it's about that process of getting there. And that is success. It's not one by itself. It's all of them together. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's really cool. So wrapping this up, because we've taken a good chunk of your time kind of already. And I actually, based on what you said before, I don't know if you'll have a proper answer to this because I'll be curious to know whether you've even fucking thought of it. But if you wanted to leave a legacy or you wanted people to think a certain thing about you when your time is done in this in this career, what legacy would you like to leave? What would you like people to think and say about Oli Carson? Uh, people first. So like, for me, and, and people bang the narrative of like, you know, it's all about impact and, and and I, I, I tend to believe them because I, I genuinely do feel that way. And I know that you guys feel that way as well. And, and I can see that by the way that you lead the PT project and your coaching clients. But for me, like, is just putting your people first and serving them to the highest degree and just leaving, leaving a profound impact on people is, is what I want to be remembered for. Um, the money stuff is cool because I get to buy nice cars and I'm a car head. But other than that, you know, it's, it's honestly not important to me at all. It's a compensate for the fact you once drove a Peugeot 106 into a van. So since then, it's like, the only way out of this, I need a Ferrari. <laughs> then I can make it up to my mum. <laughs> I think you, clearly you owe her a car. That's what I've just discovered. Yeah, from, uh, from this there you go. That's one of Ollie's definitions of success now. He has to buy his mum a nice car. Um, I've just given him a goal he didn't know he needed to have. But yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, buddy. Well, thank you very, very much for coming on. If the people who are listening to this don't know who you are, well, then you've been missing out. But if they don't and they don't know where to find you yet, where should they go to find you? Uh, main place is Instagram. So it's Ollie, O-L-L-I-E, Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N. And then it's two little underscores because that was all that was available. So you have to do two underscores as well. That's annoying. Yeah, that's annoying. We had to do it on the PT project. It's the PT project underscore. And it, it still annoys me. Uh, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, Why? Who needed that name before? Selfish. Anyway, thank you very much, buddy. And uh, we'll speak to you guys soon.